This is recording number 10851 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, January 24, 2010. This is the third message in the series by Randy Bolt titled, Under Construction. This message is titled, Restoring Your Soul, Part 3. As I was saying earlier in the service, when the human race turned its back on God, decided to go its own way and know a world that, was, that included evil, the Bible says that, there was, that death came upon the human race. And what that was, meant was that the lifeline of, of God to our spirits was severed by sin. Adam and Eve didn't didn't fall over and, and physically die when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but their relationship with God at the spirit dimension was severed. And uh, so all of us um, come into this world with a, a severed relationship with God that Jesus came to restore. And when I come to him in faith and embrace the price that he paid on the cross on my behalf... So that my relationship with God could be reconnected, then the Bible says I am born again. And that part of me that is central to who I am, that my eternal self, my spirit comes alive unto God. Hallelujah. But the, our souls, sin has caused our souls to be corrupted. And the, there's been a breach of the of that which defines our souls and and uh, so there's much damage that's been done and part of what God is up to for those of us who have had our uh, spiritual life restored is also now restoring our souls and rebuilding what sin has corrupted God is redeeming and restoring and we're focusing in on the work of God in restoring our souls and I've, I've used this illustration already a couple of times, so bear with me uh, once again as I uh, say to just to get you thinking about some of the ways that our souls are corrupted by sin. One of the things that off, most of us can relate to is, is having times when we've wondered or questioned, you know, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? That's the result of the tearing down of the defining aspects of your personality so that we're, our personality doesn't get shaped by God. It gets shaped by the people we hang around with, how, you know, the, the films and books and media that we consume. That there's other things that are shaping us and we lose ourselves in that process. Um, another thing is that because our, the, the walls of our souls have been torn down, broken down, that that which defines the boundaries of who I am and what I am, we no longer have as much controlled access to our souls as we should. And that's why we find ourselves often doing things, saying things, being things we don't want to. Maybe I'm the only one that, that that's a problem for, but I think it may be possible that some of the other some of the rest of you can identify with that 
And we want to, in this study of Nehemiah, see something in a very uh, graphic way that describes what God wants to do in rebuilding our souls and then welcome him to do it with fresh understanding. The book of Nehemiah is about a man who is a, a Jewish man who is the cupbearer for the Persian king Artaxerxes. They are the dominant force in the world and are in the world and they are the, the inheritors of, of Jewish people who had been taking, taken into captivity by the Babylonians that the Persians uh, overthrew. And so they have a Jewish population among them that, they, you know, that has now uh, grown up uh, with them. And so now even at a, a high-ranking position as cupbearer to the king is a Jewish man. But under the Persians, some of those captive slave Jews have been sent, uh, are allowed to return to their homeland of G- Judea to kind of restore and rebuild things because it's a mess. Just like I tried to describe a little bit about what our lives are like, kind of in a mess as a result of sin. And, and so these, these uh, people who have returned to their homeland of Judea, have, their first order of business was to restore the temple, to rebuild the temple, get something going of spiritual life. And it's like you and I, when we come to faith in Christ and our spirits come alive into God. But Nehemiah... Uh, gets word in Susa, the the capital of of Persia, the Persian Empire. He gets word that you know things are progressing back in Judea, but the walls of the city are still torn down, and the gates have been burned with fire. And his heart breaks, and he becomes impassioned and emboldened to ask the king for permission to take a long leave of absence and to get gather supplies and. Uh, forces to return to Judea to to help get the walls rebuilt, and that is such a a type or an analogy in what God wants to do by the Holy Spirit. For Nehemiah's name means consolation or comfort of God, and Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, who He has commissioned to restore. Our souls, and so as we are watching how Nehemiah, uh, a type or a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit, is involved in rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem, we're seeing something about what God wants to do by the Holy Spirit in restoring our souls. And that's about all the review that I can do right now because we're short on time. I want to ask you to begin reading with me at verse ten of Nehemiah chapter two, where we actually left off last week. Verse 10 of Nehemiah 2 introduces the uh, villains in the story. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. And just as Sanballat and Tobiah, who are governors in the region of Judea, uh, not Jewish, Uh, are disturbed and upset that somebody would come seeking the well-being of the people of Israel. Uh, So the devil, Satan, is not happy about what God is wanting to do through the Holy Spirit in restoring your souls. All right. Verse 11. So I came. This is Nehemiah speaking. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night 
I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate. Take note of these geographic locations. I went out at night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool and there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? I love this verse. So I, this is Nehemiah, so I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. And I can just picture The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, rising up in the face of everything that's opposing His work in your life and saying, hands off. This is my construction project. And you don't get to fiddle with it. And I I, I could go on about that, but I won't. All right. The villain in your story, Satan... The devil. He's called some other things in the Bible. Five that I want to mention right now. First, accuser. Revelation uh, chapter 12 verse 10 uh, gives us that. He's called the accuser of the brother. Number two, oppressor. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 tells us he is an oppressor. Uh, number three, adversary. First Peter 5.8 tells us that he's our adversary. It also says that he's a liar. John chapter 8.44. And then it says in John 10.10, 10, he's a thief. Five things. Accuser, oppressor, adversary, liar, and thief. And I want to talk to you now about how this one who opposes God's work in your life... Uh, in the name of... Under the guise of those five descriptions has been at work to corrupt your soul, but the Holy Spirit answers at every one of those points to bring restoration and healing. So let's talk about those things. First of all, and they correspond to these geographic locations. Remember, Nehemiah arrives and he sets out in the night. He doesn't tell anybody what he's doing. He sets out in the night to survey the damage. Not just so that he can be, uh, uh, you know, feel bad about what's happened, but so that he can have an accurate understanding of what needs to be done to repair it. So he makes his way out the valley gate. Now the valley gate, 
Remember, these gates, they don't exist. They've been torn down. There's rubble everywhere. The gates have been burned with fire. But where the valley gate should have been, he passes through that. And the valley gate looks out over a valley called the Hinnom. As you might imagine, valley gate, it looks out over a valley. Hinnom Valley, also sometimes called Gehenna. Some of you might understand that that's a term the Bible uses at times to describe hell. And the reason for that is that the Valley of Hinnom was the dump, the garbage dump, and there was flames constantly, uh, stuff smoldering down there, garbage being burned down there all the time. And so it was used symbolically as the fires of hell. So the Valley Gate looks out all over this garbage dump. And you know, there is one of the first things that the devil wants to do in corrupting your spirit is to sever the line of demarcation that separates you from him, from his, from hell, from his mess. He tears that down so that all of a sudden there's exposure now to your soul of his corruption and his crud. And you and I, we live in a world where it's, doesn't it sometimes feel like we're just walking through a garbage dump? And sometimes the line gets, seems blurry. But one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do in restoring your soul is, re, is reset the valley gate and lock out hell. And its influence and corruption upon your life. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God's saving work in your life uh, means that he separates you from your sin. As far as the east is from the west. The accuser wants to always say, no, 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 that's sin, that's you. He always wants to, to blur the distinction between you and his, his crud, you and sin. He wants for there to be a blurry distinction. God, in saving and rescuing you and restoring your soul, wants to separate you from your sin as far as the east is, the, uh, uh, east is from the west and close that gate. Reestablish it. Romans eight fifteen says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit, it says, um, has come to bear witness to us that we belong to God. We are not of that other place. We belong to God, and we are behind a boundary. It closes out hell. The next stop on, on Nehemiah's survey was the serpent well. The serpent well, uh, it, it doesn't, we don't know exactly where it was because it doesn't exist today. But uh, it appears as though from the way that uh, Nehemiah lays it out, that it was... Uh, on the across the valley from the um, from the valley gate, uh, you know, connected to or in close vicinity to the Hinnom Valley. So you can imagine that this well 
got its name Serpent Well, and it was also known as Dragon Well because it was, would you want to be drinking from a well that was next to the garbage dump? This was a toxic waste site. Pollution. Pollution. And the oppressor, the devil who is also known as the oppressor, he wants to keep pumping your life with toxic waste. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to restore the wall that keeps that out. It keeps that out. Have you ever found yourself drinking at the well, of the serpent's well? And you just go, why am I doing this? Why, why, why do I do this to myself? Why do, I, why do I do this to the people I, I love? Why do I do this to God? I know better. I don't want this. But the wall is torn down and we find ourselves as, even though we know better, we find ourselves returning to the serpent's well to drink of that toxic mess. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to restore the wall that separates us from, from that. Victory over temptation. And he does that by convicting us. A lot of times people think of conviction as a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. When the Holy Spirit says, you know what? That's not pleasing to God. It's not helpful to you. Let's get rid of that. Let's let's knock that off. Listen, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is talking. For if I do not go away, the helper or the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. That's part of the Holy Spirit restoring your soul is saying, you know what? That is not good for you. Let's just close that wall back up. Let's just rebuild that wall. The next stop along uh, Nehemiah's reconnaissance journey was the refuse gate. The refuse gate. The devil is also known as the adversary I mentioned earlier. He's the one who is always kind of, I think of it this way. Some of you play basketball. In basketball, when you have uh, you know, a man-to-man defense... You, you, uh, you've always got somebody with their hand in your face. The object is wherever you are, they're there to make sure you can't pass, you can't shoot, you can't get where you want to go. Uh, it's true in football too. And you know when you've got somebody going downfield to receive a pass, you want a man on him with, with hands everywhere. You don't want that pass completed. And, and the devil is like that in our lives. He's our adversary. He's always trying to interfere with what God wants to do in our lives. He's the adversary. The refuse gate was the place where all of the, as you might imagine, all of the, uh, you know, it, there was a sewer line that went out. There was all the garbage from the city went out from the refuse gate into the Hinnom Valley. <clears throat> and... The, 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 the wall, the, the, all of the facilities that made that 
work were all torn down and, and, and messed up. And uh, Nehemiah is uh, determining how he wants to rebuild that because it's important for you and I that the waste that's piled up in our lives gets eliminated too. And that's called confession. It's called confession. Confession is getting into agreement with God, saying the same thing that God says. And so you and I know that over the, the period of our lifetime, there, there's stuff that has seeped into our souls and it's just kind of piling up around us like, like the debris that, that uh, surrounded the refuse gate. And it's time to get that stuff dumped. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that through by leading us into the process of confession. God, I don't want that to be part of my life any longer. And then repentance, which is turning and going a different way. There's two more, and then we'll be done. Next stop was the fountain gate. The fountain gate. The fountain gate was the terminus of an aqueduct that Hezekiah, one of the kings uh, in Israel's or Jude, uh, Judah's history, had dug through bedrock. And it, what it did is it, it brought water into the city from uh, a spring outside of the city. And it ended, that, that aqueduct ended at the fountain gate. And um, it represents to us the word of God that cleanses, brings cleansing. Now that we're getting rid of all of this debris that's built up in our souls, God wants to bring cleansing and re- restoration. And he does that through his word. Um, Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The entrance of God's word brings cleansing to our lives. The the devil is called the liar. And he's the one who wants to... uh, He wants to keep... The truth of God's word from you, but the Holy Spirit uh, has come to bring the truth of God's word to you. Uh, finally, the last stop was the King's Pool. The King's Pool. Now, the king's pool was connected to the fountain gate in that the water coming from Hezekiah's tunnel would uh, terminate at the fountain gate there where people would come to gather water. But the water would spill down into this king's pool, and it was designed to um, overflow. So it would would be a reservoir that would fill up with this water coming through Hezekiah's tunnel, and then it would overflow into areas that were being irrigated. It was used to, uh, for, um, for gardening. So there's an, a reservoir and an overflowing that's pictured by this. The, the, the devil is called a thief. He's called a thief. And he wants to rob you of the overflowing life that God wants to give you in the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has come to reconstruct 
the king's pool so that there is within you a reservoir of the life of the spirit that overflows into the everything that you're involved in and everyone that your life touches. Jesus said in John chapter 7, uh, verses 38 and 39, he said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. And in Acts 1, 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when Nehemiah got to, let's wrap this up. When Nehemiah got to the king's pool, it says he couldn't go any further. He said the animal that he was riding on couldn't pass because there was so much debris at this point. And apparently, uh, of all the damage that he was surveying, what had happened at the king's pool was perhaps worst of all. And so he couldn't even go any further. And he had to kind of backtrack and made his way back to where he first started his survey to the valley gate. He couldn't go any farther. And that's, you know, you can think what you want about this, but to me, um, I believe that there is a, a, a clear analogy to what the thief wants to do in keeping the power of the Holy Spirit from your life. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we need. We don't need uh, a philosophy. We don't need a bunch of religiosity. What we need is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit that transforms our lives. That's what we need. And the ho- And just as Nehemiah was surveying and making plans for how he was going to uh, see to it that the king's pool was rebuilt, rebuilt and restored. The Holy Spirit is on the job of, of at the site of your life to cause uh, your that pool, that reservoir that Jesus said would be springing up in you to be rebuilt. Now, one last thing, and you can get to your feet. If you went on and read chapter 3, now we, we read all the way up to the end of chapter 2. If you went on and read chapter 3, here's what you would see. The work begins. The work begins. And you get one group of people and they take the wall from this point to this point. And then it says next to them, these guys, they took this point to this point. Then it'll say next to them, these people took this point to that point. And on and on it goes through that whole chapter, next to them, next to them, after them, after them, next to them. And all of the people, you know, and it's, it's a relatively small group of people that are living in Jerusalem. You had, to really, you had to really be a pioneer to want to be there in those days. But they all got involved in rebuilding and restoring the walls of this city. And the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and mine to restore our souls is he does uh, in partnership with other people. It's not done in isolation. Now, he has the power to instantaneously do whatever he wants, but he has chosen to work within the context of fellowship and relationship. 
The work that he's doing in restoring my soul, he's using you in that process. The work that he's doing in restoring your soul, he's using me in that process. And I just don't want us to leave here today without understanding that this is something that God is doing amongst us and with us. And the the encouragement and the partnership that we get, the fellowship. You know, fellowship is not, I've said this before, it's not just the Christian word for party. It's not, you know, just uh, the way we describe the happy kinds of, you know, back slapping, handshaking, hugging kinds of things that we do. It's not just that. That's part of it, thank God. But it's about, the word is kinonia, kinonia. That was used in wedding ceremonies. It's about that kind of deep connection with other people that brings about God's purposes in my life. I cannot be. The restoration work of God in my life will not be complete without the partnership of others that he, he surrounds me with to help in that. And so as we go to prayer now and conclude this morning's service... I want to just invite you to join with me. It's tough when you, you know, you, you start to become aware, you know, that things are, I mean, one of the things that, one of the reasons that Nehemiah went to Jerusalem was because the city was in reproach. It was an embarrassment. And when we start to look at what the damage that sin has done to our souls, sometimes we can feel that somewhat. A little bit of embarrassment, a little bit of reproach. And we don't want to let, you know, people, other people know we're in on that. And the tendency is to sort of close off. And we would like to go off in the corner and say, God, can you just fix me and then I'll go back out there and fellowship with people. But that's not how he does it. He fixes us in the context of fellowship, in the context of relationship, where I lay my soul bare before you, you lay your soul bare before me, and in that honesty, God works. He said, it says in the, in the scriptures, if we walk in the light, if we step out of the shadows, and we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness.